reading from the gospel according to Matthew. It is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And this is what Matthew recalls and writes. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, Zebulun, land of Naphtali on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. Gracious God, be present with us in these moments. Shine your light upon us that we might be refreshed and renewed and sent back out into the world with the good news of who you are. We ask and pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So let me tell you something about the Gospel of Matthew. Similar to Luke's Gospel, Matthew likes beginnings. Matthew likes beginnings, likes to spend time with the beginning of the story. Mark's gospel, not so much. Mark just jumps right into the meat of the deal and just goes right away, just hits the ground running, not so much with beginnings. And John's gospel is similar to Mark's, although John is a little more poetic about doing it, but pretty much jumps right into the meat of the story. But Matthew, Matthew takes his time with the beginning of the story. He loves beginnings. And he doesn't just do that because he loves beginnings, because he likes it. Oh, that's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason he spends so much time at the beginning of the story. It's not all just why he, at chapter 1, lists all the names of the family tree that lead up to Jesus' birth and then gives us his own version of Jesus' birth and then talks about Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan and then how he's tempted in the wilderness and then finally, finally at the middle of chapter 4 finally gets to the part where his actual ministry begins. He doesn't just do that because he likes it. He does it because he wants us to learn something in the beginning of the story about the nature of who God is. With each step of the way, we, we gain a glimpse of who God is. As I told you last week when we read 
the baptism story, when you read the baptism of Jesus in Matthew, Matthew starts to tug at your heart in such a way that you might lean back in your seat after finishing that story and say to yourself, there goes a God who really cares. That kind of sentiment continues with today's reading. When you read the story of the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Matthew and you learn about how Jesus leaves his home in Nazareth and starts his ministry in a completely different place and how he walks along the Sea of Galilee and happens upon the couple of raggedy old fishermen and that's the people he calls as opposed to absolutely anybody else. He calls a couple of raggedy old fishermen. When you read all of that and learn all of that, Matthew continues to tug at your heart in such a way that here again you might lean back in your seat and this time say to yourself, now there goes a God who takes chances. A God who takes chances. A God who is completely comfortable. Starting something brand new and taking another chance. That's what Matthew wants us to know. After all, when you read this story, you might, like me, find yourself wandering off to all the places in the Bible where God does start something new and God does take another chance, all the way back to the beginning. In the creation story itself, when God creates, God takes a chance. When God then creates us, God takes another chance. When God leads the people out of Egypt into the wilderness, God takes a chance. When the people Years later start to complain about needing a king and God obliges them and gives them a king. God takes another chance. And finally, in Jesus Christ, when God becomes flesh and bone and lives like us, becomes vulnerable like us, God takes the biggest chance of all. I love how theologian Karl Barth puts a phrase to the description of of Christ. He says, basically, when we meet Jesus, here we find a God who goes into the far country. I love that. A God who goes into the far country. I love it because that's what it feels like to take a chance. Like you're you're going to a far country where you, you don't quite know what's going to happen next because it's a foreign place. A God who takes chances is what we find in the a God who is absolutely willing to do that, willing to go into the far country and, and take a chance on us. We know what it feels like to, to do that, right? To, to encounter new things, to take chances. You know what that's like. After all, we're in, a, we're in a season of new things. We just started a new year. Every time we do that, it's like we're, we're taking a new chance on life, giving life another chance. We just inaugurated a new president. Every time we do that, we take a chance. We just elected a new Congress. We're going to take a chance on them. Yesterday, I watched and watched the marches and the gatherings. Some of you were part of them. Others of you, like me, watched them. And I watched and 
as thousands of women and all kinds of people gathered and took the chance to share and give voice to what's been going on in their hearts and in their souls. I watched it, and, and as I watched, I gave thanks to God because we live in a place that not only allows that, but encourages it, encourages us to offer our voice, encourages us to take that chance. I've come to believe, in fact, that it is in those times when we feel most uncertain about life that it is paramount for us to then also place our trust in the God who has taken a chance with us and encourages us, invites us to take a chance with one another. After all, Jesus is not the only one in our story today that takes a chance that fishermen do too. I mean, we know that God takes a chance on them. I mean, they just, they're a bunch of raggedy old dudes, you know. It just God takes a chance, but they also take a chance on God. They take a chance on God. Matthew is, is he quickly to remind us of that. Immediately, he says, they dropped everything, dropped everything dropped their nets and followed him. Immediately they dropped, left their boat and followed him, left their father, their families, left everything. Immediately. Have you ever thought about the time frame in which this happens? It seems like seconds to make this life-changing, wide-sweeping decision that changes, changes everything. It's in a moment, it seems. that it's, it's, we, it's almost like they've been hypnotized, that Jesus just kind of comes along and gives them the hypnotic code word, you know, follow me. And they're sitting there and they're, oh, right, oh, right. And, I mean, it just has that feel to it when you read this story. It just happens so quickly. Scholar and speaker Roger Nishioka picks up on that notion as he, he says, he says in reflection on it, he says it's as if they've been waiting their entire life to hear the voice of Jesus. And he goes on to say, he says, it reminds me of a, a show I used to watch when I was a kid. I used to watch a show called Animal Kingdom, and it's now Animal Planet. You know, it's become a channel, but it was Animal Kingdom, and I watched it with my dad. And I remember one particular episode that was on the elephant seals of Argentina, and this one show focused on a mother seal who'd just given birth to a baby pup. And she was famished, you know, just. And so the mother has to leave the baby and go out into the water to fish off the coast to get to feed off the coast. And by the time she gets back, she's at a complete, she's at a, on a completely different part of the beach and so has to call out to the baby and then listen for the, the pup's reply. The problem is, was in the show, this was not the only mama seal who was doing it. Thousands, it looked like, of mother seals who had just given birth and were famished and had to go eat and came back and everybody didn't know where they were and they're all calling out. Everybody's yelling and trying to find each other and you look at that and you go, there is absolutely no way that they can find anything 
in all of this mess. And yet the host of the show makes sure to say that the reason they can find one another is because at birth, the sound and the scent of the baby are imprinted in the memory of the mother, and the sound and the scent of the mother is imprinted in the memory of the baby. And Nishioka telling that story says, right then my dad turns to me and he says, that's what it's like with God. At birth, we are imprinted with the voice and the memory of God. And God is imprinted with the memory of us. And even if it takes a lifetime, we will eventually find one another. Now perhaps there's something to that. That may well be what Matthew is trying to tell us today. That we've been imprinted with the memory and the voice of God. And, and when we finally hear it, like the disciples in our story, as if they've been waiting their whole life for the voice of Jesus, when we finally hear it, we, like them, become all too eager to follow and to take a chance on who this God is and then also to take a chance on who we are together. So I've told you something about Matthew. Now let me tell you something about this church. This is a church that takes chances. You take chances. You certainly took a chance with me. Five years ago, you called me to be the next pastor of this place. You didn't fully know who I was. Who is this guy? What's it going to be like? How's it going to feel? What's it going to turn out to be like? We don't know. You took a chance. Fourteen years ago, for those of you who were here then, you moved out to what was then the fields of northeast Dallas, not knowing what it was going to be like or feel like or look like. You took a chance. We take a chance simply by being together today in all of our diversity because, frankly, we don't agree on everything. We're not red. We're not blue. Some of us are neither. We don't agree. And yet here we are. We take a chance because we believe that there is in fact a higher calling in Christ that we are trying to learn together despite what we think about one issue or the next. Here we are taking a chance. We take a chance on every single person who walks through that door, saying, in essence, to them, we are not going to give you a prescriptive, formulaic faith. Instead, we are going to offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ and with us. It's a chance you are willing to take. I've heard that this is one of the more welcoming churches around. I also know that that's what you hope this place to be. You want us to be as welcoming as we can possibly be. To, you're willing to take the chance of offering hospitality to the stranger. I remember a conversation I had with one of you a while back telling me about a particular Sunday where you decided to sit in a completely different place in the sanctuary one day and 
and you said, well, here's, here's what happened. I sat in a different place, and, and I, there was someone sitting near me that I'd never met before, and I turned to them, and, and I, I said, oh, my name's, uh, is this your first Sunday with us? And the person smiled and said to me, well, not really. I've been a member here 11 years. <laughs> oh, well, we finally meet. Sometimes that's what happens when you take a chance. But I'm here to tell you the fact that you do. The fact that you're willing to take the chance of welcoming one another and being together and standing alongside each other even if you don't agree on why you're standing there. Because you do that, I see something different here than I often see out in the world. When I look at you, I don't see an aisle that forces us to be on one side of the aisle or the other side of the aisle. I see it out in the world all the time. I don't see it here. That's not what I see. When I look at you, I see a tapestry, a tapestry full of different colors and experiences and I see a work of art that only God can weave. I see something beautiful and holy. And if Matthew has anything to teach us today, it's that taking that kind of chance is worth it. It's worth it. Dear friends, may we hear the voice of the one who goes into the wilderness and calls us by name. The one who invites us to take a chance on God, to take a chance on faith. Yes, to take a chance on one another. May we do that, believing it's worth it. Because as sure as I am standing here in front of you today, I can say this. God is among us. Amen.